0: Hello. Hello.
1: Hello. And welcome to Grace Online.
2: We're really excited for you to be able to receive an encouraging word from scripture today.
1: Because we know that God is already here, and he is ready to be with you. And let's get ready to hear today's message.
0: It's good to be with you all. we know most of you that are in this room, but in case you don't know, uh, my name is Lee. This is Katie. See our kids' kids' faces up there, Jesse and Jamie. Jesse turns five on Tuesday, so if you if you see her, she might tell you she's about to have a birthday because she's pretty excited. She's been talking about it for about six months, so. So, so we're almost there. We're almost there. But, but yes, as, as Chris mentioned, uh, I actually worked here for seven years at Grace, Grace Lutheran Church, and then we moved to Ukraine. Uh, it'll be six years on June 15th is when we landed there. So it's been quite the whirlwind, as you can imagine. And um, we want to just tell you, talk to you a little, a little bit about the last year. So um, if you recall, last May, We were here with you. I think we did something in Hope Hall, if I recall, but it was during like an Israel trip, I think. So, anyways, we're here, we're back, and we want to tell you how the last year has gone. Before we do that, we're going to talk, we want to just show you a little bit about the context um, of Ukraine, just so that you can kind of understand. I'm sure you've heard and seen things in the news, um, but obviously, Ukraine is in a war right now. And so, uh, we left Ukraine. February 24th, at the start of the war, we're in Czech Republic for three months. We're sending in humanitarian aid, receiving refugees, and then our our free 90-day visa ran out. We couldn't be in the EU anymore, so we left the European Union. Came here for three weeks. That's when we presented at, Ho- at Hope Hall, and then on June 3rd, we decided to go back to Ukraine, and we've been there ever since. And so, but as you can imagine. Um, war can really change a country and so um if you know anything about what's going on right now the front lines of 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 the war are are the city bakhmut and this is what it looked like um a year and a half ago and this is what it looks like today um which is obviously uh horrific and so uh, what was once was a, a thriving city is now a complete wasteland and this is this is video from this uh from just the end of april um this is recent recent stuff, and Bakhmut, as you can see on this little Ukraine map, if you can see the little red dot it 's all the way on the eastern side of the country, and we live on the western side, about an hour away from Poland, and Ukraine is about the size of Texas, so you can kind of kind of understand a little bit about the, the the context of the distance there but yeah this this is um, apartment complexes completely completely gone, completely destroyed um, and it's not this is not just a war of one man of one evil dictator. Um, here you have some uh, one of the uh, one of the many Russian uh, propaganda channels. Uh, just it's called RT, Russian Media Monitor, and this is one of their their hosts that said. Um, talking about children that greeted, that greeted the Russian soldiers on the streets. See, Russin, Russin, Russian soldiers thought they would go into these cities and liberate them and that all the Ukrainian people would be just celebrating their presence. But instead, children were telling them, no, we, we don't want to be liberated by you. We want to be Ukrainian. We're Ukrainian. And this host of this program suggested that any children that doesn't want Russian presence should be drowned in the river. And does that sound familiar at all? It makes me think about Exodus when the Pharaoh was afraid, right? When the Pharaoh was afraid of what could happen, what the Israelites could do, and so he started drowning. uh, Any any new baby boy that was born must be thrown into the Nile. And I even think about um, Herod when Jesus was born, right? He was so afraid of what this new king, what that might mean for him, and so he said, you know, he was ordering um, the execution of all male children who are two years old and under in the vicinity of Bethlehem. And so w- this is not a new evil, but it's evil. And for us, it's it's really up close. We see it we see it very closely. Um, and of course, it's it's scary. It's very scary. This is um, when w- right before we came here, and actually, the month of May. We'll talk a little bit more about this, but the month of May has been one of the uh, worst months as far as frequency of attacks. We've been in, uh, we were in Czech Republic in the beginning for a conference and have been in America since then, but as you can see, these are just apartment complexes that are, that have been destroyed. Russia says we hit our military target and Ukraine says you killed a bunch of women and children and, and innocent people, civilians. This is in the city of Dnipro, as you can see on the red dot, still in eastern Ukraine, um, and that's something that we see this on the news every single day. This is something that's it's happening. It may not be, I don't know, we don't follow really American news much anymore, but we don't know if it's still on the news here, but this is still constantly happening, taking place, these kinds of buildings being um, being at- targeted and attacked by Russian, Russian missiles, Russian rockets.
1: But we also at the same time have seen the resilience of Ukrainians throughout this whole entire time. And we've seen that through the soldiers that are serving who are risking their lives um, and who are ready and able and willing to stand up to this evil. And so for us, it's a huge blessing to be protected by them who are... You know, like, I, we have such an appreciation, a greater appreciation for veterans now um, and how, so if you are a veteran here today, like, we are so grateful for how you've served our country, and we are so grateful to these soldiers who are also um protecting us. And Jesse and Jamie, there's a, there's a big presence of soldiers in our city. And whenever they see a soldier, they scream in Ukrainian, thank you. Like they know that all the daddies are protecting um, us. And we're really, really thankful for that. And this verse has meant a lot for us that the light shines in the darkness and the darkness has not overcome it. And we um, will share a little bit more about that, but that's a theme that we've really seen in this last year is that even in the midst of all of this darkness and all of this evil um, the presence of Christ and the church and what what God has been able to do has um, like the darkness has not been able to overcome that
0: so that's just that's a little bit about the context that we're in in Ukraine again that's the majority of everything is happening on the eastern part of the country and we live across the country on the left the left side Um, and so that's kind of what's been going on but when we like I said, when we decided to return to Ukraine, we, we returned on June third and so this is actually right when we crossed the border. You can see the little Ukrainian side the sign on the left and this was the reaction our kids had you got to understand they 've lived in Ukraine more than they 've lived anywhere else. This is their home, and we feel like it 's become our home this is um, it might be hard to understand, but that 's how god 's call can work when you feel called to a place it really becomes we 've become a part of this uh, this, this place has become our home, and so they were very excited to get back, and um, we hopped right into summer ministry, so I remember early May, we had just kind of, st- we had, there was a, a conference that Josiah Venture puts on for all foreign missionaries in the organization, so um Foreign meaning non-European. So we are foreigners in Europe, yeah. So we had this conference and we had been just working nonstop sending humanitarian aid. We ended up sending in, we continue to send humanitarian aid in to this day and there's been over 1,000 metric tons that have been sent in through Josiah Venture, through gifts that many of you were able to give and many countless people across the country were giving. Um, And we received received, uh, 3,280 refugees that wanted to leave Ukraine and help them find um, a place to live in, in outside of their country in the rest of Europe. I remember that May thinking, okay, w- there's all these big organizations that are now, you know, Samaritan's Purse and all these huge organizations sending in aid now. Our little youth ministry organization can't keep up with them. We really need to, like, w- we want to get back to our, what we've been called to, but what does that look like amidst war? And so... Just to remind you, Josiah Venture's vision is a movement of God amongst the youth of Central and Eastern Europe that finds its home in the local church and transforms society. Everything we do, we do youth ministry, and it's all through different local churches. But local churches have been dispersed. You know, if there's a youth team, maybe half the team has left the country, and maybe part of the team is now serving on the front lines. So how do we equip churches? Um, to how do we do our mission to equip churches, uh, young leaders in churches, to fulfill Christ's commission through the local church? If local churches have changed, or some local churches on the east of Ukraine don't exist anymore, um, teams have changed. Pat- youth pastors are driving, driving humanitarian aid east and getting people out. How can we, how can we continue to do youth ministry in this context? That was what we were thinking in the beginning of May, but then throughout the month of May churches started calling, saying, hey, we think we can still do summer camp. <laughs> and we all, at first, we were thinking, that sounds impossible. But by the end of May, we had uh, over a dozen churches, again, predominantly on Western and Central Ukraine, that wanted to do summer camp and wanted our organization to partner with them. And so right when we got back to Ukraine, or about a month later, we were, Katie and I and our two girls, Jesse Jamie, we got to be a part of two different Summer camps, music music camps. this was the first one you can see um, you can see uh, the first and the second one here, and it was there was tons of kids and you think about this a lot of new kids from the east of Ukraine that didn't want to leave Ukraine but left their hard situation and came west and got planted in new churches or got wanted to be a part of these fusion ministries uh, it was absolutely incredible, and um, we also this is something that Katie and I were asked to lead um, a ministry for to help help church leaders, church pastors, church teams process through their trauma, process through their loss. At the end of April, um, our the the part of our Josiah Venture Ukraine team that left the country that was serving in Czech and Poland, we went through kind of a trauma renewal retreat ourselves, and it was really powerful, really impactful. And so we took that model and we started replicating it for churches in Ukraine. And so we we actually uh, have done twelve different retreats for various uh, churches throughout the country, um, in various venues. And the the we did it for our youth group. We did it for our this is uh, our church for our church um, adults. This was uh, for our sports ministry coaches that are throughout the country. And this was the last one that we were a part of uh, before we came here for a church in in Lviv. And these retreats, again, you can't solve anything in three days, right? You can't solve anyone's trauma. But you got to understand, Ukrainians and this idea of trauma and loss is pretty unknown. It's, pre- it's a pretty unknown topic. And so just introducing it, helping them understand what's going on, helping them understand what they're experiencing, why things are harder, why they're very emotional or completely emotionless, everything in between. Um, And there's people from all different situations. We've had people come that have lost everything. They lost their homes. They lost their churches from East Ukraine. They live in West Ukraine now. We've had churches like like this one that's in Lviv, and they felt like we haven't lost anything compared to what everyone else in Ukraine has lost. But actually, everyone that's in Ukraine has lost something, and we try to help them process that a little bit. We help them try to start that process to understand, and um, I'll just share a, uh, a little bit about kind of what that what that process, what we go through in this trauma trauma healing retreat, trauma renewal retreat, is. We, we talk, we go through this um, material called Beyond Disaster. We help them try to understand when there's a crisis, and war is a crisis. <laughs> but I mean, you can think of a global pandemic. It's crisis. Uh, challenges in your family, the loss of a loved one. I mean, it, this doesn't just apply to war, right? We have people, we have churches that are processing things that they experienced in their childhood, not just the war. But when there's a crisis, I think for, for all of us, there's the temptation to just try to build a false bridge over our pain. But that, obviously, that leads to nowhere, right? There's just a dead end here. And instead, we try to help them understand that actually, you have to, you have to take steps down this really hard process of, of grief, You have to enter into a grief journey where the first neighborhood (laughs) is denial and anger. I haven't been more angry than I've been the last year and a half, to be honest with you. It's been a really hard year. Um, The second neighborhood is no hope. I haven't felt more hopeless in my entire life. And we didn't lose anything. We We moved out of our apartment for three months, but... Compared to what other people have lost, you gotta understand this is this this was hard for us to walk through. Imagine if you've lost a brother or a son or a father, or if you've lost and there's women serving on the front lines too. Imagine you've lost your mom or your your sister, your daughter. Imagine that your home is gone. We served a, a we served the church from Irpin, which is the the. One of the suburbs of Kiev, it was, that's right next to Bucha, if you heard about Bucha, that was occupied. And then from Bucha, Russians were just firing artillery into Edipine. Seventy percent of buildings in Edipine were damaged or destroyed. And so we served a church there, and one family had lost their home. And we served them in August of last year, so it was about six months into the war. And they lost, it. they lost it on day one. They lost it on the first day of the war. And that lady at the retreat said, this is the first time I've cried and processed through that loss since, since February 25th. On February, the day after I lost my home, I cried about it. I haven't cried for six months. And this, this, this material helps people process their loss, their grief, their trauma. She didn't want to. She tried to build a false bridge, right? But she she understood that that actually wasn't solving anything. She was just kind of shoving her grief and her loss deep down. And so we try to help people walk this pathway to the third neighborhood, to a new beginning. But if you can see these little dotted lines, oops, you can see these little dotted lines. You're still... (laughs) You're still hopping back to angle, anger some days. You're still going to this this hopelessness. But the idea is that you're you're here, and you're just maybe visiting these neighborhoods and not living in them, right? And so this is what we try to help these people, uh, people process. This is some pictures from our, our last renewal retreat. We sing worship songs together. We help them do some art therapy. Um, there's some science that talks about how when you draw, you actually use a different part of your brain than if you just talk about something, right? So them drawing what, what they went through, kind of their story through the last year and a half, actually really helps them kind of open up and understand. What were some of the questions you had to answer in those first days? What were some of the things that were, were hard? What, what, if, what have you gained from this crisis? And what's been the hardest thing? And then um, we also just give a lot of free time. A lot of these churches haven't had a day off in a year and a half. And so we give them a few days to rest. We give them a pass to a sauna so they can just relax a little bit. Or to a pool. We help them just bring board games and they can have a good time and smile and be with their friends. And they're not having to also be shoulder to shoulder with their friends, serving people, um, doing humanitarian, they can just have a good time. Um, and this is, this is the booklet that we, that we help them through, this uh, Beyond Disaster booklet. Um, and at the end of our time, we help them process, okay, what's, what's next? Help them Think about what do you want your relationship with your family to look like going forward with yourself going forward? What do you want your relationship with God to look like? And so it's this very powerful um, time. And then we, we pray for one another. Here, standing in the middle, is uh, a family from Severodonetsk, eastern Ukraine, which is, that city is gone. They've lost everything. They, they packed their car on February 24th and got out, and had they not left that day, they probably wouldn't be here. And so we're praying for them here. We're standing, this was, this was in, I believe, June, or this was in July. So th- this is just f- a few months after they lost everything. And now, this family is planting a new church in Western Ukraine. And so, this is and uh, this is uh, Odessa Church, and this is a pretty special church to us.
1: So the, our very first trip to Ukraine, we led a fusion camp in Odessa, and so we got to uh, partner with these this church, and so a lot of these leaders, uh, they were students when we were at that camp, and then now they're leaders, um, and so that was Anya on the screen. So I've known her for eight years, and she used to be a student, and then now she's one of the leaders, and this team is amazing. So they often take trips. Into like Odessa is near Kherson um, and. It, which was recently deoccupied, so they'll go into areas of deoccupied herson and they will serve the kids there that and these kids like lived under occupation, saw tanks, saw Russian soldiers coming into their house and so this team, they're amazing and they're all young people and they'll go and they'll serve these kids. So that was a really special trauma retreat that we did for them and then we'll continue to um, do these trauma retreats um, this year as well.
0: And this is, we're just talking about last summer. Last summer, our organization, Josiah Venture, throughout Europe was able to do 167 different projects for Ukrainians. 64 of those were in Ukraine, and actually uh, 103 were in neighboring countries where Ukrainians that were refugees were able to do summer camps. We were able to do different uh, activities for them to be able to hear the gospel, not just be physically cared for, but also care for them spiritually as well. And uh we that impacted about over seven thousand six hundred different Ukrainians, um, both inside and outside Ukraine. And that's not just our target youth youth age of eleven and thirty, it's about over fifty percent were youth, but this is this is all ages. This is kids, this is adults, this is um this is everyone. So
1: So when we came back to Ukraine, one of the things that we had to adjust to as a family was um, how to live in a country at war. And so this was an adjustment for us, and um, I keep telling people, like, when you... It's, you just adapt to it. It's real. We know that it's highly abnormal living in a country at war, but just like you adapt to having more children, and you're like, I don't know how the food gets on the table or everyone, everyone has clean clothes. You just kind of adapt to it, and so even in this situation, our family has just adapted to living in a country at war. Um, But again, we're on Western Ukraine and it's way different in Western Ukraine than it is in other parts of the country. But one of the things that we had to get used to was air raid sirens. So the, the message on the left is, we get a text message notification and you can hear the sirens in our city when um, like a plane takes off or when there's a threat of a missile attack. And so we had to get used to like receiving these and deciding, okay, what are we gonna do as a family when we get these notifications? Um, And then on the right, if there's actually launches like, of these missiles, you can track where they're going. So the ones on the right say that they're going to places in, like, central Ukraine. So they're not going to Western Ukraine. But it's you get notifications, and you're just tracking them on your phone. And then here's a map of, like for example, all of the, the regions in Ukraine that are under an uh, uh, air raid siren. So it could be the whole country, or it could be certain parts of the country. Um, But, and then we also, for example, get notifications of how many missiles or drones were shot down. So after these missile strikes, um, we're always very, very thankful for Western aid and the ability um, for air defense. Because this is, like, we, we live thankfully because of that because we can see how many missiles and drones were were shot down so for us for our family if there's a siren the girls know that we have a picnic in the corridor because you're um you have there's like a four wall rule where you want to be protected by four walls um this was when I was in center one time and there was a siren and I'm underneath like a crosswalk, so you just want to be inside, but not necessarily because of like the missile, but because of the air defense working. Because when the air defense is working, there's um, the debris can fall, Um, and so you want to be in a safe place. This is. You can kind of hear it. It kind of sounds like a tornado warning, a little bit, the siren. So this is at church. So then we're like, okay, time to get ready to go home. Um, and this was um, this doesn't happen very often, but this was one of the massive missile attacks. So there was a a time when these big ones were happening um, every couple of weeks, and this particular attack cost Russia between 400 and 700 million dollars to do this particular attack and this is when they were targeting infrastructure so this hit a power station um, in our city and so if something comes as far as Lviv it's usually hitting some kind of infrastructure or it gets shot down obviously. Um, But this is where uh, Jamie and I were in the bathroom. Um, We were just tracking what was happening. And then the um, cell service went out. And Lee was with Jesse at a doctor's appointment. They were in a basement near there. And so that is when we became very thankful for Starlink, which gives you access to cell service and internet when uh, the power goes out. So all everything you've heard about starlink or it's very used in ukraine for situations like that so you can stay connected you can find out when it's over and things like that and yeah um, in the fall is when power outages started and you can see in f- this is in the main city center like where we live and you can see all of the different generators so like I said Ukrainians are so resilient and when there was no power that did not stop them from running their cafes and running their businesses because every single store had a generator and that was actually amazing to see and they would work on schedules and they would just make it work. And so we had personally had power outages for only for like five or six weeks. Many people had them for four months or even longer. Um, but we had power outage for about five or six weeks and you're just used to the darkness of no, no street lights or people having to wear, they advised every pedestrian to wear reflectors on their clothes, or, um, they had all of these stations, um, where you could go in your city and get, there was Starlink access, there were generators, there was hot water. So if you're if their power was out in your building, you could go to a place like this, and and get what you need. And the cities were really great about providing that for people. Um, a lot of apartment buildings, when they have no power, they also have no water. So it depends on your water system. So people had to stock up on water. Um, there was also talk of nuclear explosions. So now we're talking about that as a family and what. Our, our, what do we do? What <laughs> are our options? Um, this was our power outage schedule. So the green is you have power, the white is maybe you have power, and the orange is you do not have power. So you kind of go on four hours yes, four hours maybe, four hours no. Um, but we had this like battery pack that we could use it to charge it could power our fridge when we needed it so that was a huge blessing but you you get okay now we're making an adjustment on when we do bath night and when I use the oven and you just kind of adapt to this you know new new way of life the girls loved their flashlights those are from their Mimi thank you to my mom Um, but getting all of these different LED lamps and lanterns and just adjusting to what that was like was interesting. Um, but yeah, it's, it's really strange to explain it to people and at the same time say that we still feel safe where we live because we know that sounds crazy, but it's also if you were to be in our city and just look around, if like if there was no siren or anything, it would feel really normal. And so that's just a really strange dichotomy to it feeling really normal, but knowing that there's a war at the same time. But we, our kids are so flexible and we really prayed that when we came back to Ukraine, that Like Jesse wouldn't be scared, and that they would do well because we're always reevaluating, you know, our safety and how our kids are doing and just where God's calling us. And they have responded really well to it. And they love Ukraine and they love, um, you know, they're so thankful for the soldiers. And if you ask Jesse, like, what is the bully? Or she she knows the context of Russia is that Ukraine has a bully and so she, if you ask her what's the bully trying to do i recently asked her that and she says the bully is trying to take Ukraine and put it in Russia and i was like actually yeah that's exactly exactly what the bully is trying to do so she knows what's happening and and we we continue to pray and they pray also
0: And so that's just kind of what life has been like and then I want to just kind of briefly highlight some of the ministry activities we've done since kind of September until until today and so um, many of you know about our fusion ministry this is a, a rock pop band choir ministry we do for young people that uses music as a tool to, to build relationships with with teenagers and so uh, this is back in, in September we restarted our fusion our regular fusion ministry that happens every week and Jesse and Jamie love it. We all we attended as a family. It's every Wednesday night, and there's a bunch of non-believers that come, and it's fantastic. And uh, you can they sing pretty good. Like it's an amateur choir. You know, it's teenagers. They're singing good back there. And this was all in preparation for every three years, and this was actually every four years because of COVID. Uh, there's a massive event in Czech Republic where. All the fusions from ten different countries in Europe come together, and each country performs uh, a, a concert for for each other. And so that was one thing we've been preparing for this entire semester. Um, I uh, w- uh, I'm playing drums. You can't see me, but I'm playing drums. And uh, we had a great group of Ukrainians. Eighty over eighty. Ukrainian young people that performed and got to, to um, just have an incredible time in Czech and, and show people. We made a, a our concert was very um, it's pretty dark as you can imagine, but it was uh, it was one of the, we tried to just tell the story of what's been going on in Ukraine the past year and a half, and it was just incredible. And what was um, the best moment I would say. It was after we performed, um, the Fusion International Director, along with our Fusion Ukraine leaders, um, they had our whole group stand in the middle. 600 other Europeans came and laid hands on us and prayed for us and prayed for Ukraine. And here you see these are Bulgarians that are, that are praying, laying hands on us. You had Poles. Czechs, you had Romanians, you had Estonians, you had tons of different Europeans. Everyone's just crying, because as you can imagine, this doesn't just affect Ukraine. This affects all of Europe, and so it's just really powerful moment. And imagine if you're a, a Ukrainian teenager, you don't believe in God, but you're a part of our fusion. You come, and you you experience this moment when all these different cultures, countries are are laying their hands on you and praying for you. It was a really powerful moment. Um, and this, this girl is, this is Dasha. She had started attending our fusion this past year. She doesn't believe in God, but she got to experience this. And many of you uh, have been praying for our, our Max, who has been uh, in Russian captivity since May 20th of last year. So he's over one year as a prisoner of war. Dasha does not believe in God, <laughs> but she wanted to be the one that, that asked people to pray for him. Because she just she she, so you can imagine just the impact. She she understands that no, actually, I I want to be the, I want to pray for him. I want to ask God um, to help him to free him. And so she starts attending our fusion as maybe an atheist or an agnostic, and then she, now she's she's so much more open to the gospel and open to to the Lord. And I uh, wanted also to share with all of you that about three weeks ago we received news, good news about Max. Um, one of his squad mates was exchanged for, so he got released. His squad mate got released from uh, prison, and any time that happens, they always try to contact family of people that were remained, and so this guy contacted Max's mom. Told told her that Max is doing incredibly well. That he's one of the most stable and positive individuals I- in the in the prison camp, and that he's used to the small portions um, of food that, that he gets, and that he just has an incredibly all things considered, a, a incredibly positive attitude. And of course, we hadn't heard about Max in months. You, know, you just it's easy to assume the worst. And so for us, and for I imagine for many of you, this is uh, this was a, a huge relief to understand that he's not only alive. But it's very clear that God is with him, that although God hasn't answered our our prayer positively about him being released, God has answered our prayer about being there with him um, in the prison camp. And so, um, and what's really cool about Max is you have to understand that Max was, (laughs) he was 16 when he started attending our our fusion, our local church's fusion. I've never seen a 16-year-old with more tattoos uh, than Max. He has probably like 25, 30 tattoos which I guess is okay in Ukraine to get tattoos as a minor, but that's fine. Uh, and so Max, after about a year and a half, two years of attending our fusion, uh, he repented and believed in Jesus and started following Jesus, and started following Jesus very seriously. Um, he kind of made a, a clear a clear repentance. And the impact that Max had, Max, when Max started attending our fusion, he was always, literally always, with his twin brother, his cousin, and they're kind of all their best friend. So there's these four guys coming to our fusion. And they got connected through our, our fusion dance master class, which is funny. I don't know why, but seeing this guy with tattoos doing pirouettes was just great. Um, anyways, uh, so Max was the first of this group to repent and believe in Jesus. And then after Sunday service, uh, about a year and a half later, his brother, his twin brother, repented and believed in Jesus. And then at summer camp two years ago, his cousin and his, their best friend both repented and believed in Jesus. And then, this is Romana. I met her at school 87, teaching English in her class. She came to our summer camp two years ago, starts dating Max's cousin, and she just repented and believed in Jesus uh, about a year ago, uh, about nine months ago. And then Max's twin brother's girlfriend just got baptized last month. It's so okay. God has really used Max in a powerful way to not only change his life, but literally change the lives of, of the people around him. It's really incredible. And this this is actually a picture of four of our Fusion kids that got baptized. Um, it was this was uh, on Mother's Day on um, uh, in May 14th. So you can see God is, God's movement does not stop even amidst war, even it's pain and suffering. You have Danya here on the right. Uh, this this guy. He's from Kiev, and he, he left the country on February 24th. And when hi- him and his family came back, they decided that we, they didn't want to live in Kiev because it uh, Kiev is not as safe as Lviv. So they stayed in Lviv, he got connected to our fusion, and now he just got baptized this, this year, which was absolutely incredible. Um... Our youth group has been going strong since, since the summer. Um, we have a great group of folks. We're going to have a camp this summer. I get to preach occasionally at that youth group uh, wearing the same shirt because this is my nice shirt. So um, <laughs> so I'm talking about the the sovereignty of God at this, uh, this youth group in Ukrainian, which was hard. <laughs> uh, we also have a, a, a training ministry for church teams. So you have to understand... Church teams kind of look totally different now, right? I mean, some, some of the church has, has maybe left, some of the church is serving. And so, but most churches in Ukraine, when they think of youth group, they think of uh, a youth group or a, a, a time where the believers in their kind of area, their city, or even maybe the county, all come together and, like, have a great time as believers. And that's, that's a great thing. But our, our organization, we, we're, th- we're trying to help them understand, okay, Jesus talks about the Great Commission, right? Not just thinking about your, your community of faith, the people in s- that know Jesus already, but also thinking about outreach, thinking about um, the people that don't necessarily know know Jesus or maybe know about him but don't, don't have a relationship with him. So we do this uh, year-long training program in partnership with um, a Lviv Seminary and a Kiev Seminary to train different Church teams. There's ten. There was ten that graduated in December, uh, and then we have a new group of fifteen different church teams. Uh, with, over, I mean, most most teams have at least about 10, 10 young people, and and the youth pastor, uh, and we get to train them and get to to teach them. How did Jesus build his team? What does it look like to have a healthy youth team? What are some of his uh, priorities in ministry? We also get to teach them, how do you work with non-believers? Many of these people, many of these leaders have never worked with non-believers before and don't understand, maybe uh, don't have a good strategy. So we teach them that. And then, okay, after those non-believers, maybe they come to camp and they repent and believe in Jesus. Okay, how do you help them grow in Christ? And so we try to we take them through some different materials that Josiah Venture has written to try to help them understand. Okay, what was Jesus's model for ministry, and how can we how can we apply that to to youth ministry in Ukraine? Um, and then personal discipleship is a big part of our ministry. We don't want to just teach discipleship. We also want to be discipling young people. So these are two, two girls that Katie disciples Nasty on the left, who is actually a Josiah Venture intern this summer, Sophia on the right. And then the two gentlemen in the middle, Vlad on the left, said he on the right. Uh, those are two of the guys I disciple there. Here they are. And this was, I think, Easter. We had an Easter um, uh, lunch with them in our home, which was a sweet time. And uh, yeah. And then this, is, this was Winterfest. 200 young people from nine different churches coming together. And this was a, I got a new position starting in September, and this was something that I led the team that organized this this festival for different churches and believers to be able to connect th- together, but also for churches to be able to invite nonbelievers and hear the gospel be clearly shared. Um, and and uh, there are a couple Ukrainian young people that this was the moment that they decided to repent and believe in Jesus after you know, after a long journey, when they got invited to this and they heard the gospel, something clicked. And so, again, this happened in uh, March, uh, and so this is what kind of some highlights from ministry of the last, like, nine months. God's movement hasn't stopped and does not stop, even amidst darkness. Um, as as John 1.5 says, the light has overcome the darkness, uh, the the or the, excuse me, the darkness cannot overcome the light. We see darkness up close, but we're so privileged to be a, be a part of God's light in, in Ukraine and to be able to uh, shine shine His light to others.
1: Yeah, for us, it's it's a. Uh privilege like to live in ukraine and to serve ukrainians and to serve alongside ukrainians and to be on a team with them like they are our heroes we're on a team with uh, Vitali, who risked his life in the east evacuating people under shelling um we're on a team with pasha who um I'll talk about them in a second, but they have just, like, they're our heroes, and so for us, it's it's an honor and it's a privilege to be there, even amidst war and even amidst a lot of pain and and darkness because we see everything that God is doing. And so one, I just wanted to share a couple verses from Psalm 46 that have meant a lot over this past year, Um, but it says, God is our refuge and strength an ever present help in trouble. Therefore, we will not fear though the earth give way and the mountains fall into the heart of the sea, though its waters roar and foam and the mountains quake with their surge surging. The Lord Almighty is with us. The God of Jacob is our fortress. Come and see what the Lord has done, the desolations he's brought on the earth. He makes war cease to the ends of the earth. The Lord Almighty is with us. The God of Jacob is our fortress. So even in the midst of war and and hardship and things are difficult or it's a bad news day and we get really triggered in our trauma or go back to the neighborhood of anger and and denial we remember that like God is with us he's al- he's always at hand he's always helping us one other version says the lord of heaven's armies like the lord of heaven's armies is with us and and we still feel called there and we're always um, it's just a privilege to be there and to serve there, and we're so thankful to Grace for your support and for your prayers. Sometimes we think like we don't. I don't actually know how we are still standing today and still functioning as human beings, and we really feel like people's prayers have been lifting us up, literally over the past year and a half. And so we're so thankful to Grace, and we're so thankful to you guys. You guys are on our team. We know you are praying for us. We know you love. And support us and we're so so grateful for that um and we just wanted to end with a couple ways that you guys can be praying um so first of all, is to pray for the end of the war. Like our God, God is the one who makes war cease. And so we want to pray for that. We want this to end. We don't want this to continue. Um, and right now, uh, there's a lot of talk about this counteroffensive. And so we know that it's in the works. Obviously, it's not publicized what the plans of it are. That would be a bad idea. But um, but it's it's coming. And so you can pray that this is an effective counteroffensive, um, but also with every step that Ukraine takes towards getting back its land, there's always some kind of retaliation from Russia. And so because of this talk of this counter-offensive, I think that's why May has been one of the worst attacks. So you can see this is just what's what's happened in May. So in, in, in the black, it says how many missiles and drones were shot. And then in the red, it says how many were shot down by Ukrainian air defense. Um, so their percentage is pretty high, and this affects people on on our team too you can this is in central Ukraine where our teammate Pasha lives this he lives a couple blocks away from this apartment building that got hit and his church rallied around came to the scene that this happened and um, gave hot food gave like support to the people who experienced this and then there was a huge blast radius uh, and it it knocked out windows blocks and blocks of windows and so their church served these people and put up all these coverings on windows helped restore roofs of different homes and stuff and so even in the midst of of this horrible thing we continue to see how the church is the hands and feet of jesus serving their neighbors serving people around them and even his response was like and this is typical response of ukrainians is there's some kind of attack like this we got to go and help those people that are there and that experience this um you can also pray for continued support from the west um all of the the money that has been done, that has been given towards Ukraine it comes in the forms of air defense um and different ways that we even personally are protected and so that's it we have heard air defense working in our city and so we're like we are so thankful for for the support and so we just continue to pray for that especially in the midst of of this counteroffensive. but ultimately you can pray that this war ends and and we know that it has to come from a miracle of God that he's the one that, that can do this.
0: As we talked about, please pray for Max's release. Of course, that's something we're praying all the time. Pray that God continues to uh, just to make his presence known to Max in the prison. Uh, this is the first time we've actually come back to America needing to raise support for ourselves. We are at 94%, so it's not, we're not in like a critical place. But if you haven't uh, joined our team uh, to financially support monthly, this is a great opportunity to connect. Uh, and as I know... All, most, if not all of you, have been praying for us and standing before God on our behalf, on behalf of us and our team. This is a great opportunity to also financially partner with us. And, uh, again, we feel called to Ukraine long term. We would like to buy a home, I, and uh, a home with a basement where we can shelter when there might be air raid sirens, um, a place where our kids can maybe grow up in and have a little bit more space. We live in a two-bedroom apartment now, which has been perfect and will be great for the next few years. Uh, we're just trying to think long-term. In Ukraine, foreigners are not able to get uh, reasonable home loans. We, get, we could get a loan with 20% interest, and we've been told that's a bad idea. So uh, we are just looking to, to try to create some kind of personal loan uh, in order to, uh, to have a smaller interest rate and kind of instead of paying a bank, pay someone uh, uh, on, a, on a monthly rhythm. We have more camps this summer in Ukraine than we've ever had before. Isn't that crazy? 26 summer camps this this summer. That's more than Ukraine has ever had. And Josiah Venture is doing just over 100 camps this summer in all of the 14 countries. Ukraine has almost almost one quarter of those, almost 25 percent of those camps. And so please pray for these camps. The, there's going to be a lot of non-believing teenagers attending. Pray that their hearts are open to hear the gospel and receive and repent and believe in Jesus. Pray for our kids, Jesse and Jamie. Jesse has been going to Ukrainian preschool, um, and she loves it. She on the car drive this morning. She's like, "I miss my school." She's like, "I'm sorry, that's that's hard." Um, she misses her friends, uh, but she'll be starting a new school. She'll be starting kindergarten on September first, and that kindergarten has a preschool. So Jamie will also be attending the same school with her, but she'll be going to preschool. Pray for them. This is going to be a new rhythm. Um, we want. We obviously want our kids to have friends. Um, this is a Ukrainian preschool. They they. Jesse speaks great Ukrainian. Uh, Jamie can understand everything, and she needs a place where she can practice speaking and learn how to play and learn learn how to uh, do do things in Ukrainian. And then, for as Katie has mentioned, pl- please pray for our family's health. As we shared with you earlier, this is something. This journey is a journey that we are on constantly, and like she said, we, we find ourselves going back to the neighborhood of denial and anger, just to visit, maybe for, you know, a few days. But we visit. Uh, we might go and feel, it might feel hopeless after a bad news day when you hear about uh, one of our teammates' um, friends or someone in a church that maybe has passed away. So these, this, we are on this journey. Um, pray for us. Continue to hold us, um, hold us up. Stand before God on our behalf um, for our physical, mental, spiritual, emotional health. I mean, it's all just, it's hard. This has been the hardest year of our lives, and we wouldn't change it for a thing. And I think that's what it means to be um, living in God's will and God's call, even, even in a country at war. And so, again, as Katie said, on behalf of us and our family, just thank you, Grace, Lutheran Church, and, and, and you that are sitting here and you that might be watching the stream. This, like, you are our co workers in Christ. We could not do this without you. And so th- we want to just deeply thank you and uh, and yeah, God's movement does, hasn't stopped, and it won't stop, and we're thankful that we we get to be a part of God's movement in Ukraine. so thank you all.
2: we're going to take a t- an opportunity to pray for Lee and Katie, and I, just before we do that, just very, very quickly, just just a tremendous gratitude to have time with them. You can sit if you'd like. That's okay. That's totally fine. I can't help every time they're here, and we talk about light amid darkness, and, and you know, we get overwhelmed by the darkness. We see, that's what we see on the news. That's where they, they started. But that single light in the midst of the darkness is hope. And that light and hearing through the story of Max, just I really want to encourage you to remember the names, remember the stories, because I think sometimes we get overwhelmed by the you know the, how many missiles and this and that, but it's literally a per, how one person leads to another person. That's how God works. That's how the light grows, the light of Christ grows. And what struck me, um, and I saw you getting, both of you getting emotional, understandably so, is that light started even before that. This is the sanctuary where you guys got married. And I was blessed to officiate that and to see how that light started here and who knew how God was going to use you and enable us. We are blessed. We are blessed to partner with them and I really hope that you hear them not just thanking us but telling us that we are partners with them. And as a church, the giving, the prayers, if you're not connected and a part of that, you can be. There's opportunity here. But we, we are a part of this. This is not just a check that we write or something we put on an email newsletter. There's flesh and blood that we are connected to and through them connected to others. And so we want to take an opportunity to just, in the midst of everything we're hearing, how God is working and moving to thank God and engage the presence of God by praying for Lee and Katie. So I'm going to have you stand right here, and I'm going to be behind you. I say this all the time. If this is awkward for you, don't worry about it. But if you want to feel like you're praying with me, lay your hands out like this as I'm laying hands on them and that's our way of praying over them and everything that they've asked us to pray for. Let's pray in gratitude and in understanding that God is listening. Gracious God, you, six years, you've, the fruit that has come from the bringing together of these two amazing people and their faith journeys and their love for each other and out of that, their love for you. What you have done already is, miraculous and in the midst of how ministry has changed in the midst of how the call has changed you have been changing and transforming them your light shines so brightly through Lee and Katie and Jamie and Jesse and Nadia and Pasha and Max there are names upon names and it just is overwhelming in the best way possible to see how your light is getting brighter and brighter even in the midst of darkness darkness that tries but just cannot snuff out that light the light of your son Christ, and we give you thanks for that. We thank you for the the countless ways, ways that are small but meaningful, ways that have multiplied that you are working and moving to make your kingdom come in the nation of Ukraine, in the lives of families and individuals and churches and communities and neighborhoods, and we pray for that to increase, for your light to continue to shine and shine brighter and brighter, and we thank you that we are a part of that work that we are able to pray for Lee and for Katie and for Jamie and for Jesse and for Nadia and for Max and for so many others, and that we get to contribute out of what you have blessed us with to bless them and through them to bless others. And so, Lord, we just, out of this tremendous gratitude that is almost overwhelming, it's almost too much, we give you praise and we give you thanks and we ask, because that's what you tell us to do, to ask. We ask for you to end this war in Ukraine. Lord, there's lots of opinions, there's lots of perspectives, but Katie said it best, you are the one who ends wars, not us. You are the one who brings peace, peace that the world does not understand, and we pray for peace. We pray for an end to this war. We pray for swords to be made into plowshares. We pray, Lord, for you to protect the nation of Ukraine, to protect those men and women who are defending its borders. We pray for their families in their longing and in their grief. We pray for your blessing, continued blessing upon the, the trauma ministry that Lee and Katie and Josiah Venture continue to be a part of and other avenues of that. Pray in the midst of those false bridges that those bridges would be closed and instead you would continue to build the bridge hard as it is through grief. Build it through grief. Build it through denial and anger. Build it through a sense of hopelessness and continue to lead as only you can, not only an end of the war in Ukraine, but the war within, the war that comes from grief. Lord, we pray for Max. We pray for his release. We give you thanks that we have received news that he is alive and that he is, as best can be in a prison camp, thriving. And we pray for his continued protection. We pray for his relief, relief. And we pray for the relief of so many others like him who have family members, who have loved ones, who are just desperately waiting for their return, safe return. Lord, we pray for Lee and Katie as they, you're providing. And that's what you do, but they need more support we pray that if you're calling any of us, all of us, in any way to increase or to give for the first time, that you would do that, but we extend that increase also to members of their team that you're adding, people who are starting out, and that sometimes is the hardest part, to start out and build support. Lord, you have blessed us so generously, each of us, all of us together. Thank you for the ways this church has been able to give. Help us to give more. Help us to give so that, again, your light can shine. As Lee and Katie have a sense of calling, oh my gosh. Of a, of, of a long term call of, the, of six years in this is not an assignment this has become their home that as they look to the future even in the midst of war and think about a home we pray for you to make it possible in the midst of what seems impossible because that's how you work to provide for a loan, provide for a means to continue to establish the roots that they are building there and to raise their daughters in a way that that nation truly is their home And Lord, we pray for the summer camps that are coming up. We're thankful for last year, the shock and surprise of churches reaching out and saying, we want this, and then the fruit that came of that, and we're excited for the opportunity of that again. We pray for all of these summer camps, Ukraine in particular, but across Eastern and Central Europe, everything, every place where Josiah Ventures is touching. We pray for these students, for these youth and families, that you would plant seeds of salvation, that you would bring more and more lives to your son Christ, but also that you would raise up leaders. You would raise up those who who are filled with your spirit to begin, reflect your light, to increase your light shining in the nation of Ukraine and throughout Eastern and Central Europe. We pray for Jamie and (laughs) Jesse. We're overwhelmed by their cuteness. We're overwhelmed by their laughter. We're overwhelmed by their resilience, and we give you praise for that. I know I'm not alone in saying I wish I could bottle that up (laughs) for myself. And we just pray for them to continue to thrive. We pray as they start school and they are going to be at the same school, that it would be a protected space for them, a healthy space for them, a space where they would continue to build lasting friendships, meaningful relationships with teachers and mentors, and it would just be an opportunity for them to grow together as sisters more and more into who you've created them to be, the women you've created them to be in Christ. And Lord, we just overall pray for the Humerians. We pray for their health, we pray for their, their sanity, <laughs> we pray for their marriage. We pray for in the midst of the work that you would provide spaces for them to be able to care for each other, to invest in each other. We pray for the, in all the opportunities that they have, they answer to witness to your love and grace that you would give them opportunities, equal opportunities to bask in their experience of your love and grace. To not only witness to Christ, but to experience you, Jesus, in their marriage and in their family. And again, Lord, we are so, so grateful to have this time with them, this precious time. We are aware that this even this journey from church to church, from community to community, is at such a pace and is so exhausting. And so we just pray for their continued strength and rest as they're going to move on from here to other communities like ours and pray that they would receive the same embrace, the same gratitude, the same support, and that when that time in the States is done, you would lead them safely back home to Ukraine and just continue to work through them, through us and our shared partnership. And we ask all this in the name of your son, Jesus Christ, and all God's people said, amen. If you'd like more information about our church, please visit us online at gracehb.org.